Just a few short weeks ago, it appeared as though this week, the last week of the regular season, and this series with the Arizona Diamondbacks hosting the St. Louis Cardinals in the desert could be the series that held the keys to the kingdom, as it were. Well, the Cardinals have already punched their ticket back to the postseason, at least as a wildcard team, with an historic four-game sweep at Wrigley Field over the weekend. And the Diamondbacks, well, their torrid pace that put them back in the postseason conversation has cooled significantly. But that doesn't mean it's time to overlook this series. The Cardinals can still clinch the division and the Diamondbacks can still play spoiler. What's up everybody? I'm Dara Wellman. Welcome back to Bird Seeds. This is a series preview, though as you can see, I am not in my usual home studio. I'm actually on the road this week, but look, it's baseball. It's the last week of the regular season. It's playoff time. I had to find a way to carve out some time and find some cafe Wi-Fi to deliver you the information that you need for this series. So please join me in welcoming back to the show, although it's been a while, from the Rattle AZ podcast, Jesse Friedman. Jesse, it's been a while, but thanks so much for joining me again. Another series between the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks. This one looked like it might be interesting for both teams down the stretch. Diamondbacks have faded a bit, but first of all, thank you for joining me. And uh, second of all, man, what's going on with the Diamondbacks right now? Yeah, thank you so much, Tara. It's always a uh, always a pleasure to be on with you. Um, yeah, the Diamondbacks. It's been uh, been a roller coaster ride over the last few weeks. Uh, you mentioned at one point it looked like this series was going to be you know a big significant moment for both of these teams, and now it looks significantly more one sided than it did a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Diamondbacks went through a stretch where they won eleven out of twelve games that put them really right in the thick of the wild card race. I believe they were about a game and a half out. Uh, at one point from the wild card race, which is as close as they've been in, in months uh, to being in the playoff picture. Uh, unfortunately, they followed up their 11 out of 12 wins with seven out of eight losses um, and not against good teams either. I think they got swept against the Cincinnati Reds in a four game series out in Cincinnati. Um, and and yeah, they just have not played particularly good baseball um, as of late. Um, so yeah, this is a Diamondbacks team that at this point is pretty much coasting out of contention. They're not mathematically eliminated, but they are pretty much eliminated by all intents and purposes at this point, unfortunately. Um, so I think at this point, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, finding the positives in a season that has been, um, I think better than expectations in a lot of ways for this team. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, you're not necessarily looking for the playoffs at this point. I think that's, that ship is pretty much, pretty much sailed at this point. Um, but there's still definitely good things to come out of this season. And over the last week or so of the year, I think we're just going to be looking for more of those good things. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned maybe better than the expectations were for this season. I think when the Paul Goldschmidt trade happened, obviously AJ Pollock, a lot of things happened over the off season that were kind of an indication of what this season was kind of supposed to be so you know yeah. you look at what the season has been obviously some ups and downs and some interesting things have happened when you look at it overall are you as as a person who follows this team is the fan base in Arizona is there any sort of satisfaction with this season because it was maybe a little better than expected or is it just kind of one of those years where you're like yep got through that not to the next <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think uh, I think there is some satisfaction uh, among fans I think people looked at this team going into the year you mentioned AJ Pollock moving on Paul Goldschmidt obviously going over to you guys 
Um, and and the list goes on. Patrick Corbin as well, a huge free agent loss uh, for this Diamondbacks team. And so a lot of people came in. I think mathematically they were projected to win right around 81 games, um, which is not significantly far off from what they'll probably wind up winning. You're probably looking at about 83 or 84 at this point. Um, but I think, yeah, overall, I think it definitely has been a good season, slightly above expectations. And, and I think more than anything, Although this season is not, you know, what fans maybe dreamed it, it, it could have been in some ways. I think there's a lot of hope moving forward that this farm system and, and just the leadership at the helm of this organization with Mike Hazen, who was just extended uh, just a few days ago. Um, there's hope that this franchise, even if it's not this year, is going to go places sometime in the near future. Uh, the Diamondbacks have been given by many different uh, farm system rankings they're they're probably a top five farm system at this point and and a few years ago under the regime of dave stewart and tony larusa they were probably a bottom five maybe bottom one or two farm system um and so i think that gives fans a lot of hope there's a lot of guys coming up through this organization that are just really exciting um and so i think although it's not this year i think there's definitely hope for the future I want to talk a little bit about the trade for Paul Goldschmidt because we didn't really get a chance to talk about that way back when it happened. Yes. Obviously, lots has happened since then for both of these teams, but I'm, I'm curious from your perspective. Obviously, it was, it was fairly certain, I feel like, that Paul Goldschmidt was going to be traded with all the things that were going on when the trade happened, the return. I, I think a lot of people kind of went, huh, but as someone who knew a little more about the, the pieces they got in return, I felt like with the sort of rental that it was for Paul Goldschmidt. It made a lot of sense. Then he signed the extension almost immediately. I mean, what do you, yeah. what is your perspective on the Paul Goldschmidt trade now a season after it happened, considering the extension that they also worked out? Yeah, I think the extension was kind of a big blow for Diamondbacks fans. Um, just seeing him go not just for one year, but probably being a Cardinal for, you know, it could be the life of the contract six years. Um, and so, yeah, I think once the contract was signed, the contract value was significantly lower than what was reported that he was asking for from the Diamondbacks. Um, and so I think there were a lot of people who initially had an issue with that, that, OK, you know, this could have been our deal. Um, but now fans honestly don't feel that way anymore at all. Uh, Christian Walker, the Diamondbacks first baseman, who's kind of stepped up. Uh, to take Paul Goldschmidt's position, certainly not been as good as Goldschmidt has been in years past and, and probably even a little bit less than what Goldschmidt has been this season. Um, but he has certainly done OK. He's certainly been a guy who uh, deserves a job on a major league roster. Um, and the pieces the Diamondbacks have gotten back, frankly, have been pretty much everything that we could have possibly hoped for. Um, Luke Weaver uh, got a couple of innings in the game yesterday after uh, an injury that has lasted uh, for several months, and he looked really good, six up, six down, uh, pretty much what you could hope for there. Uh, still a little concerned with his uh, injury prognosis moving forward. He has an issue with the ulnar collateral ligament, which seems to be an issue that you're going to need Tommy John surgery at some point. It's just a matter of when. Um, the Diamondbacks seem confident that he can bypass that for the moment, but you have to kind of wonder if that's going to haunt him down the road at some point. Uh, Carson Kelly, though, has been quite an addition uh, for this Diamondbacks team. I don't think I don't think anyone really expected him to be the player that he's been right away, maybe a few years down the road. Um, but he's going on 20 home runs. I think he's got around 20 doubles. He only has played 
uh, probably a little bit less than half this or a little bit more than half the season. Uh, so the Diamondbacks have been very conservative with not really playing him in a, in a complete everyday role, which a lot of fans have not been happy with whatsoever. I think they're tired of seeing Alex Vila in there, uh, you know, a few times a week. But um, but yeah, the return of the Diamondbacks have gotten if Luke Weaver stays healthy, if Carson Kelly is anything like what he's been this season for the next five years. Uh, Diamondbacks fans, have, I, I don't want to say they've moved on from Paul Goldschmidt because he's a great player. He's always going to be, you know, a historic part of this franchise. But fans don't miss him nearly as much as I thought that they would. Which is interesting because uh, I think that those two players, Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly, had enough of kind of a backseat role for the Cardinals that I I don't yeah. feel like maybe maybe nationally, maybe in Arizona, the reaction was kind of like that's it and now yeah. they're looking oh, at yeah. guys that and that's why when the trade happened I felt like it was a really great move on both parts because the Cardinals traded from areas of surplus and they traded guys that weren't going to factor in with the roster that they had but that didn't mean they weren't going to be great major league players so it's great to see them succeeding like that I think that you know that's an ideal trade right where both pieces of the trade end up working out it really best is. For, the, for the teams that that ended up with them <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it truly is, uh, you know, that old fashioned trade that actually does seem to work out for both teams. <laughs> I don't think either team has regrets over this. Um, and yeah, uh, frankly, when the deal initially went down, I didn't think the Diamondbacks did horrible. Um, but I didn't think they necessarily did great for themselves either. Luke Weaver was coming off pretty mediocre season last year with St. Louis and Carson Kelly. You knew there was potential there, but he's also been blocked by Javier Molina for so many years. <laughs> Not that, much of a track you know, record to bank on. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no track record at all except for, you know, a 140 batting average over 50 plate appearances over three separate seasons. Yeah. You know, it's it's just <laughs> there's nothing to really go off of there. So it definitely was maybe a little underwhelming for some people initially. Uh, other people looked at, you know, just the value difference that Goldschmidt, at least at the time, was a one year rental versus Luke Weaver being under control for four or five seasons. Carson Kelly, I think five or six seasons. So you look at, you know, 10 years uh, of control over those guys versus one year of Goldschmidt. People looked at it from that standpoint and thought that the Diamondbacks did OK. Um, but, you know, you trade away your face of the franchise and you want to get in return someone who can maybe take that role if not now, at some point in the future. And and frankly, I don't think Carson Kelly and Luke Weaver, probably never are they actually going to be the face of the franchise. Uh, but that doesn't mean the Diamondbacks didn't do well in this trade. And I think fans are really starting to grasp onto that at this point. Andy Young, the third piece of that trade, obviously not a factor yet at this point to be determined what, uh, what yeah. he can be as far as moving through the ranks, becoming a major league player. I do want to ask you one more thing about Paul Goldschmidt specifically. Have you paid attention to his season from afar? Because it's it's kind of befuddled a lot of Cardinals fans, a lot of the Cardinals yeah. media. I think Paul Goldschmidt himself at times. Um, yeah. <laughs> because when you look at the numbers, it's not that far off from what he has been the last couple of years, but it's felt a lot worse. And I don't know if that's just the expectation of him coming in as a perennial MVP guy or if it's the inconsistency that has been a problem. I mean, the second half has been much better. It's just it's been a very confusing season, I think, for Paul Goldschmidt. What yeah. what do you see when you kind of look at what you've seen, like I said, from a distance from Paul Goldschmidt this year? 
Yeah, no, it's definitely something that we've been uh, peeking at over with the rattle. Uh, we like to give little occasional updates about what what Goldschmidt has been doing with St. Louis, and it is befuddling. I, I'm with you. I'm with I'm with Goldie himself. It sounds like trying to figure out what's gone on this season. Um, I I do think there's truth to the fact that this has been an uncharacteristic year. Uh, the home runs and RBIs are right around where you'd expect them to be at this point, right around 30 home runs, 90 RBIs. He had a similar season last year. Um, but those don't tell the whole story. Uh, and I think you look at Goldschmidt's OPS, which is just a tick above 800 right now. Uh, that OPS, I believe, is the worst of his career since his rookie season when he only played half a year. Um, and so uh, there's definitely some concern there, uh, you know, especially for a guy who was just extended for five more years. You know, if he's all he's if he's only this right now, you know, what is he going to be two, three, four years from now? Um, I did. I have spent some time looking at kind of the more back end analytics of, you know, exit velocities and, and, and things like that. Some more deeper stats. Um, and those statistics have indicated that Goldschmidt is almost identical to the player that he was last year. Um, so it, so it's, it's on, it is truly a befuddling situation where, you know, it seems like a guy hasn't really changed in any significant way, but the results are just different. Um, and I guess, you know, Tori Lavello would call this the beauty of baseball, right? You know, any, anytime something happens that we can't really explain, it's the beauty of baseball in his mind. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything to be too concerned about as a Cardinals fan. Uh, I think Goldschmidt has obviously the track record. Uh, there were some concerns in Arizona at one point that his bat speed was lacking a little bit. He was struggling to hit some some higher velocity fastballs at one point. Um, but all in all, I, I really have not been able to see any evidence of that in, in any of his numbers anymore. Um, so I, I think he will bounce back next year. I think he's still a good player. And, and you know, whether or not he was worth five years in, in 120 or 130 million, I can't remember exactly what the dollar figure was. That still remains to be seen. But by no means is this going to be, you know, an embarrassment or an albatross of a contract. I would just like, and maybe this is a question because I didn't watch Paul Goldschmidt enough to know, it feels like you can just automatically start every at bat 02. <laughs> It just, it's so frustrating at this point because he's such a good hitter that it feels like if you just, just maybe a little more aggressive at the, at the yeah. front end of those at-bats, you could change some of those results. Every at-bat, it feels like, starts out 0-2. And uh, we saw that even this weekend um, against the Cubs. He did come through a couple of times, but, you know, a couple of times it was a, a sack fly and not a base hit. And you're thinking, okay. Well, I guess I'll take it, but that's not yeah. really what Paul Goldschmidt's there for. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I think um, it, it's funny you say that because Goldschmidt in Arizona, we called him Three Two Goldie. That was kind <laughs> of the that was kind of one of his nicknames because it seemed like he was always in a three two count. And I I am not surprised he's not horribly aggressive early in counts. And maybe that's. Maybe that's an adjustment that pitchers have made against him. And like, hey, if he's not going to swing at the first pitch or the second pitch, you know, let's just, you know, throw it right down the middle or throw it in the strike zone, at least confidently, because we know he's not going to go after it. Uh, so maybe there's some some adjustments to be made there. But Goldschmidt has definitely been through some some high points and some low points in his career. And he'll figure it out. <laughs> he'll figure it out. I don't know if he'll be the same guy that he has been in the past as a you know perennial MVP candidate. But I think he'll be better than he was this year for you guys. I think he feels like he'll be better uh, than he was this year, too. And, and like you said, yeah. a lot of the numbers are still there, so it's it's not as if it's been a, a, a worthless addition by any means. Yeah, I want to talk right. about this series 
specifically a little bit. Um, first of all, is this the stick it to Paul Goldschmidt series or is that just like one <laughs> random writer's opinion as a hot take on Twitter? <laughs> yes, no, that is one random writer's opinion. Uh, I, will, I will try to keep myself from going into details about, about the writer and the opinion. Um, but yes, I don't think that article was reflective in any way of what, you know, Arizona Diamondbacks fans at large actually feel toward Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, he was an icon here. He was traded. He did not have a choice but to go to the St. Louis Cardinals in this scenario. Feels like an important um, which, part of the story to me, but yes, which does feel like an important part of the story. Um, so yeah, I really don't think there's any hard feelings there whatsoever. I think that's that's just you know a misconstrued opinion. Um, and yeah, I think it'll it'll be fun. I, I wish I was back in Arizona for this series. Honestly, I would love to you know see the the kind of um, just the hand that he's given from from the Diamondbacks crowd. There may not be very many people there at this point in, in a season that looks lost. Uh, given given what the Diamondbacks uh, attendance figures usually are at this stage in the year when they're not in contention. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, he'll definitely get some appreciation from the Diamondbacks crowd. And and yeah, he never did anything wrong to this city. You know, he was always an icon here. He was a, you know, true professional. There were maybe moments where people wished he was a little bit more vocal, a little bit more of, you know, a captain leader type. Um, but that's just not who he is. You know, that's not his personality. Um, and I don't think anyone expected him to, you know, step outside of, of who he really was for that. Um, so yeah, Paul Goldschmidt is about as, you know, about as professional and, and good a person as you can possibly find anywhere. I don't think there's any hard feelings whatsoever. I loved when the trade first happened, we were first getting a, an introduction to who Paul Goldschmidt is. And I promise we're going to talk about something other than Paul Goldschmidt here in a minute, but it's a big part of this, <laughs> this whole story. Um, there was some comment, to, you know, someone asked him like, do you have any flaws? And he said something about like his wife thinks he's stubborn sometimes and he steps on ants or something like that. And I was like, that is the <laughs> most perfect self-description of a person yes. like Paul Goldschmidt. Like his biggest flaw is that he's mostly perfect. What? Yeah. It's just hilarious <laughs> to me. So funny. Uh, that holds up, I think, from what we saw of him in, in Arizona as well as what we've seen in St. Louis. Let's talk a little bit about the, about the pitching that the Diamondbacks will put out there in this series. Um, because the pitching is a part of what kind of put them in a position to make a, a bit of a run. Um, the Cardinals will see right. Alex Young for the first time in Game 1. Mike Leake, another familiar face, although it's been a few years there. I think the Cardinals are still paying him, but that's another story. Uh, and then Merrill <laughs> Kelly in Game 3. Tell me about those pitchers and what uh, what we should expect from them. Yeah, so Alex Young, I think, is, is maybe the biggest name there. Uh, his numbers are really, really good so far this season. Um, much to the surprise of basically everyone, um, <laughs> if we're being honest here. Um, he was kind of a middling prospect, has been for, for quite a while. Um, over the last year, though, he kind of faded into the background as probably a reliever at, at best, a, a middle reliever as a, as a left-handed pitcher type. Um, he's got a cutter. He's got like a breaking ball, curveball slider thing. Uh, we're still trying to kind of figure out what to call that pitch, but whatever it is, it has some, some pretty good sweeping movement to it. Um, so yeah, I think he's an interesting one. He's kind of a guy that, that a lot of us have been expecting to maybe, um, 
I think we've been expecting to see hitters and opposing teams just make some adjustments against him. Uh, we've kind of wondered if maybe his success has just been due to the fact that he's new to the league and, and teams just haven't seen him yet. Um, but that remains to be seen. He's passed basically every test that you could imagine. He was, uh, I believe, six or seven innings into a no-hitter uh, just a few starts ago. Um, so he's definitely a, definitely a guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, Mike Leake has been pretty tough to watch uh, since coming over to the Diamondbacks, to be frank. Um, there's just not a lot of swing and miss there. Uh, it's all it's all pitching to contact, and if the ground ball gets through, he doesn't have a whole lot going else for him. Um, so it's uh, it's been a rough go for Mike Leake ever since coming over from Seattle uh, in that trade. Uh, Merrill Kelly's an interesting guy because he's basically developed a reputation as either you're going to knock him out in the third or fourth inning or he's going to throw seven innings of one run ball. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of in-between with him. I think lately it's been more the seven innings of one run ball. I think he had nine strikeouts over seven shutout innings his last time out. Um, so you really never know what you're going to get with Merrill Kelly. It could be good. It could be uh, not so good. But uh, certainly none of those three pitchers are, are ace types. Probably none of them are, are even higher than a number four starting pitcher in a rotation right now. Um, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm feeling pretty good about, about this series, to be to be honest with you. Well, here's the thing that might be uh, interesting for Diamondbacks fans to know. The Cardinals tend to play better, hit better against the ace types than they do the four or five starters. So interesting. They're, they're interesting. real good at kind of padding the stats of those middle to late end of the rotation guys. So it might work out very well <laughs> for Arizona in the series. Although they are, they're riding quite a, a high after the weekend at Wrigley. Let's talk offense. That seems to be something that I think for both teams is kind of all or nothing some days. And, yeah. you know, you've either got everybody going or nobody going at all. Who stands out for you right now? I mean, Marte obviously has been a huge part of what Arizona has done this year, not playing now. Um, but is there someone who stands out as the guy to watch as kind of the key if they're going to get something going offensively? Yeah, the Diamondbacks' offense has really been maybe the biggest issue of their their struggles as of late. Um, that stretch where they lost seven out of eight games, I think they only allowed about an average of four runs per game in that span. They just couldn't buy a run uh, for whatever reason. And and as you mentioned, Cattell Marte is now out for the season with a back issue. Um, so unfortunately, the Diamondbacks' star player uh, is not going to be in the lineup. Uh, other than that, I think... Um, really just the usual names. Eduardo Escobar has had a really good season overall. Uh, Christian Walker has had a good season. He's faded a little bit lately. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see Carson Kelly against his former team. That might be a, a name to look out for. Uh, Adam Jones is, has hit pretty well somehow. He's 35 years old, still doing his thing. I, I believe he's 35, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but yeah, there, honestly, there isn't a guy that really stands out for the Diamondbacks right now. And that's kind of been the problem is they really, other than Cattell Marte, who's now hurt, there hasn't really been anyone over the last few weeks who's really stepped up their game offensively. Uh, Wilmer Flores has actually hit about as well as anyone on this team lately. Not a name you'd maybe expect to see, <laughs> but somehow he's hitting north of 310, I think, right now. Uh, he was hurt for a while, so that's that's definitely a shortened season. Um, but yeah, this is kind of what the Diamondbacks offense is, post-Goldschmidt and post-A.J. Pollock, and David Peralta is now hurt. They, they've got a lot of guys who are just okay, and, and some days that works out well, and some days it doesn't. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> that, that, is, that is the interesting part about this, right? The Cardinals offense has been uh, similar in a number of ways, although... 
yeah. they've found a way to make it work, which is another sort of befuddling thing about this season for the Cardinals. <laughs> Last question for you. When you look at this season, you look at next season, give me one thing that you hope to see happen next year for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I think next year for the Diamondbacks, I think there's one name to keep in mind, and that's Dalton Varsho. Uh, Dalton Varsho is a catching prospect who may or may not catch in the big leagues. We'll see exactly what position he winds up at. Um, but he is probably the most exciting prospect to debut for the Diamondbacks since potentially even Paul Goldschmidt himself um, way back in 2011. Um, and so, yeah, he has really come on strong as of late. He's won several different awards in the Southern League where he spent his time this season. Um, and, yeah, he's got power. He's got speed as a catcher, which is certainly a rare thing. He has athleticism to maybe move to the outfield, maybe play a corner infield spot as well. Um, so I think 2020, I don't know if the Diamondbacks are necessarily, you know, ready to jump back into contention yet. I think they might still be a year or two away. Uh, but Dalton Varsho is going to be a centerpiece of the next great Diamondbacks team, uh, at least as far as I can tell. And, and I, in theory, he should get that opportunity at the start of, of 2020. Uh, so that's definitely, for me, the, the thing to keep in mind. Excellent. Well, it should be an interesting series for a number of reasons, whether it's the Cardinals' inability to score off of uh, mediocre starting <laughs> pitching or the fact that they could clinch a division title in the next few days as it's well. True. It's going to be an interesting week, to say the least. Jesse, it's always a good time chatting with you. Where can people find more if they did not get answers to all of their questions about the Diamondbacks? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Jesse N. Friedman. Uh, that's J-E-S-S-E, -S -S -E, the letter N, and then F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. Um, and then you can also find the Rattle, the podcast that I host about the Diamondbacks. You can find that on iTunes, uh, Spotify, the, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find us. Uh, so yeah, be sure to check it out. And, and we're always we're always down to have some, uh, some Goldie stragglers uh, joining us for our shows. So, uh, so absolutely, we'd love to connect with anyone. Sounds great. Well, thanks so much for your time this morning. I know it's a bit unconventional. Everybody's probably like, where are you? Well, I'm yeah. on the road, so we're making it work. But we uh, we had to jump some through some hoops to get to get this to work today. But I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And I, and I also you're welcome for the beautiful college dorm behind <laughs> me that, that all of your viewers get to behold. It's a beautiful thing. It truly is. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much. There's always a chance for a bit of a letdown after such an emotional high like the four-game sweep at Wrigley and, of course, clinching that playoff spot. The Cardinals can ill afford that, though. With the Brewers apparently deciding to never lose again, the Cardinals still just have the smallest of cushions in the division, which means that this series in Arizona is as important as ever, and the series following that with the Chicago Cubs at home is more important for the Brewers than it is for the Cubs, and in some respects, the Cardinals. But they are in the driver's seat, and while they will be facing some pitching that could be a problem based on, well, historic tendencies as far as guys they haven't seen very much, and they will be seeing those familiar faces in the likes of Carson Kelly, Mike Leake, and others, this series is important, although maybe with a little less pressure than going into Wrigley Field over the weekend. What do you expect to happen? Do you expect there to be a letdown after the weekend at Wrigley and the celebration of sorts, the, the muted, subtle celebration? Or do you expect them to stay focused and on track and just push ahead all the way to the finish line 
and claim the division crown. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Tell me who you think will break out this weekend, especially in the absence of Colton Wong. And how are you going to celebrate if and when they clinch the division? Thanks again to Jesse for joining me. Make sure that you're following him on Twitter. You can hear him on the Rattle AZ podcast, which is a great resource. If you're looking for more Diamondbacks information, you can, as always, follow me on Twitter and look for more throughout the rest of the regular season and the postseason, however long that lasts. So that's all for me from the road. Thanks for watching. I'll talk to you next time.